This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Fantasy Hockey Player! Världens bästa Carlson. Yes, yes, hello everybody! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keep Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best! Fantasy Hockey Podcast in the World, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their Keeper Pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and I'm going to try my best to be upbeat, even though I'm about to get eliminated from the couple. But that's not your problem. That's my problem. And another thing that's not your problem, it's to your benefit, is that I am hosted by the fantasy hockey robot, your friend and mine, Brian Calm. Elon, it sounds like you might have made as much a mistake in your matchup as you did in that last sentence. You are joined by me, the fantasy hockey robot, Brian Com, and also the grammar robot, apparently. But I am happy to be here. I, of the two of us, am still going. My flamingos are heading into the semifinals of the consolation bracket in tier two. It was not a great year for keeping Carlson host in the cupful, which just speaks to the quality of competition. But if your team is still going, oh man, do we have an episode for you? We have so many ideas about the deep cuts that you might want to add who might help you get over the hump to your championship. And also some of those guys who have been on your roster all season who you might want to cut bait on. You might be wondering if you should cut bait on all that coming up in just mere moments. Yeah, we've got a big stacked episode today. I've got a lot of players here. I did a lot of analysis of the schedule for next week, so I'm going to be asking Brian a lot of questions. Was this guy worth it even though he only plays two games? Did you add this guy because he plays four games? So stick with us. It's going to be a wild ride. Before we get started, of course, let's mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website out there, bar none. I use the Frozen tools to prep the shows every week. I read the articles every day. If you're using it, you're probably doing better than the people who aren't, so definitely check it out, DauberHockey.com. But okay, Brian, let's start, I guess, with some outjuries for this episode. And I want to start in Edmonton, where the Oilers are on a huge roll. Uh, they've won four of their last five, including that 8-3 to three drubbing of the Predators to start the week. They had a 4-1 win over the Blue Jackets yesterday to cap it all off. They're now in a tie for first in the Pacific with Vegas. So just a great season right now for the Oilers, and they're heating up at just like the perfect time. The big two are as hot as ever, right? McDavid and Drysaddle both started this week with five-point games in that game against Nashville. Drysaddle's running away with a scoring title. He's on pace for 131 points. McDavid would be pacing for 125 if he didn't miss six games. Then the third star on the team, Ryan Eugene Hopkins, has picked up his number in a big way, 23 points in his last 15 games. Uh, RNH, if you recall, had a slow start to the season, which I'm sure could be wholly attributed to uh, McDavid and Drysaddle playing together, and RNH had to play with, you know, nobody's pretty much. This was before Yamamoto was there. Anyways, Brian, this is the outjury section. The reason why I'm bringing up the Oilers here and talking about them is even though they're doing so well, they've got even some reinforcements coming in. They may 
not even need. But they got Oscar Clefbaum and James Neal back in the past week. Clefbaum had a quiet game offensively in the 4-1 win over Columbus yesterday. That was his return game. No points, only one shot. But trust me, he was there. He he was plus three. So he was even on the ice for some goals. He just didn't happen to get in on them. I'm not too worried. Though Clefbaum was on a cold streak before getting hurt with only one assist in his previous four games. So Brian... You have Clefbaum, I believe, on your team. Are you putting him back in your lineup like without caution? Or do you think maybe there's a chance his cold run can continue even with his team scoring so prolifically lately? Before we talk about Clefbaum, I just want to hold on and talk about Ryan Nugent Hopkins' freaking hot streak. This guy, we've talked about him a lot, but I remember... Around December, someone was asking us, who should I keep between Nugent Hopkins and I can't even remember the other guy. And you and I both answered in the Facebook group thinking, well, probably the other guy, but we have this hunch we'll regret it. But how can you buy into Ryan Nugent Hopkins when uh, he's stuck playing with James Neal, Alex Chieson, Jujar Kyra, Sam Gagne, Thomas freaking Jerko or Yurko? I don't even remember how to say his name. He's such an irrelevant NHLer. That led to Ryan Nugent Hopkins picking up just 20 points in his first 30 35 games of the season, and then kablamo, he got some real NHL line mates and has since scored 40 points in 28 games. In fact, since he joined a real NHL line, uh, he ranks fifth in the NHL in points since December 31st. Uh, that's four whole points ahead of David Pasternak, who is the nearest one to him, and Kyle Connor, by the way. And both those guys have played a game or two more than Nugent Hopkins. Only Dreisaitl, Kucherov, Zabanejad, Panarin have more points than Nugent Hopkins since December 31st. And all but Dreisaitl have games in hand on Nugent Hopkins, too. So let's just give him his moment. Ryan Nugent Hopkins crushing it as We thought he would. Should he be given the opportunity? Thank goodness Edmonton realized that they are better off splitting up Drysaddle and McDavid, and that helps add some fantasy value across the Oilers roster. Now, speaking of fantasy value across the Oilers roster, you're asking about Oscar Clefbaum, who is in my IR, but will no longer be. He's going right back into my lineup, Elon. Edmonton leans on him for big minutes, and I think that alone is going to get him I hope half a point per game the rest of the way, but I will acknowledge it kind of stinks that we saw Clefbaum do so well for stretches earlier in the year, but he hasn't really done enough for long enough to bring himself into consideration as a legit high-end offensive defenseman. He's sort of like a middling option. I mean, sure, 45 points and a bunch of shots and blocks is great if you own Clefbaum, but he still doesn't rank amongst the best defensemen this year in any offensive measure. So uh, that's a that's a disappointment for me because I thought with him getting big minutes, of course, some of his minutes are on the penalty kill. Uh, that said, I would definitely activate Clefbaum for his peripherals and for having that floor that looks to me like it should be at least a 40-point pace the rest of the season with upside for more. But I, like I said, I wish we saw like one gear higher from Clefbaum this season. And we know going forward... His value only becomes more precarious. Uh, He's not going to easily get chances to quarterback the top power play as guys like Bouchard, uh, even Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones come up and make their own cases to take over the reins as the Oilers' number one offensive defenseman. Right, I see. So you're saying Clefbaum, obviously for now, he's quarterbacking the top power play. You wish you could be better, but you'll be happy to get what you get. Then when we do the almanac over the summer, maybe we'll have to think twice about expecting Clefbaum to do as well. But we could focus just on next week, and it's a good week to have Oilers players. They've got a stream of Gami. They play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Mwah! 
What a great schedule for them. And so you got to look at the forwards and see who's a good player to maybe stream in. Unfortunately, the lines have kind of been all over the place. So it's really hard to say what to bank on for next week. Like I can tell you what happened yesterday versus Columbus. The Oilers were rolling McDavid with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Cassian. And then Dreisaitl was with Yamamoto and Tyler Ennis. So if you recall last week, we were talking about Ennis with McDavid. And I think Athanasiu at the time was still with McDavid. So that's all changed. We've got Athanasiu like down in the bottom six. So probably we can forget about him. Got to imagine this is like great. Like here are my takeaways of all these lines, right? So Zach Cassian, if he's going to be playing with McDavid, you probably want him in your lineup. He's got three points in his last four games. He gives you those hits. So if you're in a bangers league, I would definitely grab Cassian for Monday. Uh, Tyler Ennis only one assist in six games since his big one goal, one assist debut with the Oilers. So I'd be curious to know if you still think he's someone worth holding if you grabbed him after the trade or that first big game. Uh, then you've got Yamamoto. He's still in a great spot playing big minutes with Dreisaitl. Obviously, you want to have him. Then you've got these guys like Athanasiu and James Neal who got shots on line one recently could get back there again but are also pretty uninteresting i would think in the bottom six save for the nice schedule next week so brian what's your strategy with the oilers like do you grab tyler ennis even though he's cold do you think cassian's gonna hold this spot on the top line do you maybe even grab an athanasiu hoping that things get shaken up once again and you'll be happy to have had him when you got the chance what, what are you thinking for the oilers what would you do if you have some of these guys in your free agency my takeaway for the picture in edmonton who seem on track for a playoff spot is that they've realized it doesn't seem to really matter who's on the top line with McDavid out of all these names you just mentioned that changing that line combination on any night is not likely to make or break the game from them. They're all sort of interchangeable spare parts. And so it feels to me like the Oilers are just playing around with all kinds of roles and combinations with these players who you've mentioned, who are all relatively new to the team, by the way, save for Zach Cassian. And the Oilers just want to see what's going to work best. They want to say, we've exhausted every combination. This is what works best for line one. And also, this is what works best for line three. Uh, They want to figure out who's most useful on that third line so that they have a solid top nine and not just a top six, which could actually spell bad news for guys like Tyler Ennis and Andreas Athanasiu, who may have unique attributes they can help spread through the roster rather than not doing a whole lot to move the needle on McDavid's line because McDavid alone already has that needle moved nearly all the way. So if Ennis can help being defensively responsible on line three, or if Athanasiu can inject offense onto line three, maybe they're more useful there than on McDavid's wing. So I think you're playing the lottery with any of these random Edmonton guys outside of Yamamoto, by the way, who looks pretty locked in with Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins. He's probably the guy I'd want the most just because he seems the most locked into his his spot on the depth chart. Yeah, but Brian, don't forget, uh, you just said Yamamoto with Nugent Hopkins. I, I just said they've changed that up. You're, you're living in last week right now. Nugent <laughs> I think Hopkins he's going to be back. McDavid. Oh, you think they're changing it back? Yeah, I think it's going to go back to that. I, I think this is all Why? an experiment. Because that those three were together long enough for it to like seem like they bought into it. I guess you're saying, well, they changed it. It didn't work. I'm guessing. <laughs> David uh, played with uh, Zach Cassian most of the season, and then they changed it. Now they're back. I feel like there's no way to know. I feel like it's almost like hubristic of us to try to say, oh, I think this is going to happen. They won their last game. They don't have a reason to like shake things up. Maybe they're going to stick with what they did in the last game. Then that means, again, Ennis, Yamamoto, Dreisaitl, Cassian, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> okay, so... If I had, you asked me what to do about these guys. I'm trying to give you my thought process. So I would still like Yamamoto. I think he's the safest in the top six. How about that? And then I think Cassian and Tyler Ennis are my best bets to flank Connor McDavid. As you said, it is kind of hubristic to try and predict exactly what the Oilers are going to do. It's just a guess. You're free to make your own in leagues with limited moves per week or for the rest of the season. I'd be hesitant because of this to use any to use a move on adding any one of these guys because if you're wrong 
It's going to hurt. If you had Tyler Ennis and he never sees time in the top six again this season, ouch. Yeah, plus Ennis, even in the top six, isn't getting a lot of points lately. So like you said, Brian, maybe he's going to be more of a defensively used player. Like They've got a lot of people to pass the puck to. Maybe it's just Ennis, get it up the ice and then get out of the way and let Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl or Yamamoto or McDavid or whoever he's playing with, let them do the work. So yeah, it's interesting and we'll have to wait and see how the lines shake out. I have a feeling they won't be the same on Monday as they'll be on Sunday. That's my hunch. Also, Brian, what do you think about the Oilers now? They're doing so well. I don't know. I'm just getting really excited for them. Like They're on this roll. I wonder if teams are afraid of playing them in the first round the playoffs like on one hand you think ah the Oilers like at some points this year we were like ah this team like they're too top heavy they don't know how to keep the game defensively and and not let it run away from them now all of a sudden like they're doing pretty well that even with their goalies not doing great they're still able to not let in too many goals and McDavid and Dreisaitl just seem so locked in I I don't know I have a feeling the Oilers are going to go on a run but who predicting the playoffs is impossible and maybe people don't care about that for this particular podcast but I, I'm just excited about them I'm curious to know what you think I think you have a point, especially now that Clefbaum is back to shore up the defense with his 25 minutes a night, and you've got two lines featuring the two most fearsome, or two of the most fearsome offensive players in the league. The Oilers are looking pretty good. Of course, the place they're still looking not great, or not on a consistent basis anyway, is in goal, where they legit are just continuing to rely on random hot streaks from Mike Smith and, to a lesser extent, Miko Koskinen, hoping that they don't collapse. It'll be interesting to see how the Oilers can adapt to playoff hockey with the way their roster's constructed. Like, how do you think the Oilers would do against a team like Dallas, who is really hard to overwhelm offensively and is great at pouncing on mistakes? Like, if a team can shut down one of Edmonton's two lines, I feel like Edmonton becomes a lot less threatening really fast. Of course, that's a huge if, but I I wonder about this depth and if they do meet a really strong defensive team, I think they might be in trouble. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, if they're playing in, on TSN and it's like the keys to the game are going to be to shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl, like shut down those top two lines, and then I think they're going to have it. Yeah, that's probably true. If they're able to make uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl non-factors, then I have a feeling the Oilers are going to lose. But that, like you said, really hard to do. It'll be fun. I'm excited for the playoffs, but let's continue on to more outjuries here. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I, did I say James Neal? James Neal's back. He's in the bottom. So he, he did get a shot on line one power play when he's another guy who you never know yeah. if he'll get another, another shot. But right now, I'm not interested in him. Okay. Now, now we've got the most annoying type of outjury. This is the type where a player loses his IR designation but doesn't actually play, so your lineup becomes locked even though you get no benefit. I know my dog is also very upset about these types of things. Uh, this is what happened yesterday with Linus Allmark. Uh, he came off the IR. He backed up Carter Hutton in the 3-1 loss to the Flyers. Uh, the Sabres, unlike the Oilers, have been flaming out over the past couple of weeks. have now lost six games in a row, so they stink. They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Carter Hutton actually hasn't been terrible lately. He has a reasonable 9-14 save percentage over past five games. You can't really blame him. They're just not scoring. Still, should we assume Linus Allmark will go back to being the solid numbers and big volume player that he was before the ankle issue? Like, if you recall, Linus Allmark was playing every game. He was doing well. He was, like, winning weeks for fantasy teams. Now we get him back. Like I said, Carter Hutton hasn't been doing too badly, but obviously he's not the future of the team. So I wonder if Buffalo just goes with Allmark for the rest of the season to see what they have. I wish they would. It, they have no reason to stick with Carter Hutton, who's, yes, he had a good run for a little while, but his last six games, he's given up three or more goals in five of them. He's also lost five of his last six while putting up a 901 save percentage. So to me, it doesn't even feel like a question 
of whether the net should go back to Allmark. It's just an if and how Buffalo and the coaching staff want to manage the situation. I really do hope that if Allmark is given the reins, he can pick up where he left off. He has struggled with consistency before, but he really seemed to reach new heights in both playing level and consistency in that run-up before he got injured. So uh, I would love for him to just step in and continue things. It might take a game or two. I added him while he was still on IR. I had to drop him because I had a full IR. I'm hoping he will be helpful to me this upcoming week, especially with Buffalo playing four times. He's going to start at least two of those, hopefully three. Also, another consideration that's going to play into this, uh, Allmark isn't restricted free agent at the end of the season. He makes $1.3 million right now. Carter Hutton makes twice that for one more year. So I'm hoping, this is my optimistic lens for Linus Allmark getting a lot of time, that Buffalo is going to play him the rest of the way so they can figure out if he's going to be their guy for the shorter, medium-term future, or maybe even longer. I guess it's Uko Pekka Luokinen beyond Linus Allmark. But they're going to need a bridge guy before they go to UPL. Yeah, who knows? Like, Linus Allmark, the way he was looking before, maybe he's going to challenge to be the starter for years to come. Brian, you're going to be in tough. Uh, you're going to have Allmark back potentially tomorrow, Monday, versus Washington. So hopefully he won't put you in the negative to start your week. So good luck. But I'm excited to see what happens there. Though, of course, if you're in a league where you need to get wins from your goalies, I wonder if Allmark is not the person to go for, even if he's going to play a lot of games. Because this team is not scoring lately. They're ice cold. Only 10 goals during this six-game losing streak. So less than two goals a game on average. This has come at a terrible time for Jack Eichel owners, as after putting up 77 points in his first 60 games of the year, he's now pointless in his last seven. Can you believe that? He was on like a 100-point pace, then all of a sudden he goes quiet for two weeks? How does this happen? Uh, I could give you one theory for how this happens. According to Sabres beat writer John Vogel, he's been playing through an abdominal injury, which is super concerning, especially for anyone going into an elimination matchup next week. Like, you don't expect that to heal by still playing lots of games. So I wonder, Brian, like last week, we thought Victor Olofsson was injured. He was injured, but then he came back like a lot faster than we expected. We took Jeff Skinner all the way to the finals of our post-deadline fantasy value change bracket, thinking, oh, Skinner's going to stick on line one. He's going to go back to the 2018-19 Skinner playing with Jack Eichel. But the thing is, like, does it matter if he's playing with an Eichel with an abdominal injury who's not scoring? So it just leads me to so many questions about the Sabres that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering going into, you know, a big four-game week for the team. Normally, you'd want to have players on this team. But first of all, you know, in a shallower league, if it's like, especially like a weekly start league, I wonder if people need to consider just benching Jack Eichel and putting someone else in for the week if, you know, if we're concerned about this injury and we're concerned that he's going to continue being cold. So I'd love to get your take on what you're thinking Eichel's going to be able to produce. Then you've got these peripheral guys like Sam Reinhardt also pointless in seven games is he droppable at this point even though the Sabres play four times next week is Victor Olofsson droppable because the lines actually did end up changing back in the last game Skinner was on the top line with Eichel and Reinhardt uh, bumping Olofsson to play with Marcus Johansson and Dominic Cahoon so maybe you just get rid of Olofsson only one assist in his last eight games not many shots uh, should we still be into Jeff Skinner even if he's on the top line so what are your thoughts on all of these Sabres who's worth holding who's worth dropping and how how concerned should we be about Jack Eichel, who's the straw that stirs the drink on this team? Okay, let's start at the top. First off, Jack Eichel, to clarify for everyone listening, you said he's playing through an injury, right? Well, according to beat writer John Vogel, a tweet that I saw, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he's, a, he's a reliable source. That's nuts. Why is Jack Eichel, when the Sabres have nothing to play for, 
playing through an injury. Take him out. Well, I think, to be fair, Brian, I think they thought they still had something to play for. They traded for... Uh, Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons, yeah, because they thought they were still... They didn't expect Uh, to go on a six-game losing streak. Look, that was an early tryout for Wayne Simmons to see if he'll fit on the roster for next year. I really don't think... They seriously had a shot, especially with Linus Allmark going down. And yeah, they did lose five of their last six. But even if they won them, they they were a long shot to make the playoffs. Now that they're out, can Jack Eichel please stop playing through an injury? Buffalo, let your team tank, lean into it, let Jack Eichel heal, and everything's going to be okay. If Eichel is still playing, though, I still want him on my team. Like, I would still be happy if he's healthy enough to play. I feel like there's still a decent enough chance he's going to do something. Uh, so Jack Eichel, I am still into. I, like, it depends on your other options, of course. Like, if you're in a league where everyone is at least a 60-point player, then look at your other options and see who else. Like, if you have T- Tavo Teravainen instead of Jack Eichel, maybe you do that for the first time this season. I don't know. Would you bench Jack Eichel, Elon? Are you scared off enough by his recent cold streak? I mean, yeah, I'm pretty scared, but I think you just nailed it, right? It depends who we're comparing him to. I'm not going to be putting, like, uh, Zach Cassian over Jack Eichel now because Cassian's on the McDavid line. But, yeah, if you're talking about a TT over in Carolina, yeah, then all of a sudden it becomes an interesting conversation. I, I Plus, there is the chance that he could get shut down now that they do keep losing. And You know, who knows? I don't want to throw out rumors and speculation here, but I- I'd be worried. It sucks. And I'm also worried about all these other players you're about to get to. Yeah, if you're in a league with weekly starts, it's a more complicated decision about whether you start... Eichel on Monday night to to get your week started. So I'll let you worry about that, though. You've th- That's a total gut call, which a lot of this time of year is. Sam Reinhart, uh, my answer about him is pretty similar to Eichel. As Eichel goes, so will Sam Reinhart. Unfortunately, Reinhart hasn't been able to pick up the slack, except I guess for Reinhart and Eichel, I'm not sure there's been a whole lot of slack. They are averaging seven shots per game, just above that, actually, while they're on the ice together during this scoreless run. And that's just at five on five. That's not counting the power play. And per their five on five on ice shooting percentage for the season, that should usually net them about five goals to point on over their last seven games, which isn't great, but it's still something. Uh, But They have no goals on their last 53 shots while on the ice together. Even their expected goal says they should have at least four over this scoreless stretch. But sadly, they don't. So what I'm saying is that this line isn't just bad suddenly. They're going through a cold snap, unfortunate variance, and that cold snap should, well, snap at some point. If I had Reinhardt, he's a little less, like, have to play him than Jack Eichel. So I'd look around at the waiver wire, but also Buffalo has that good schedule this week, which makes Reinhardt that much more potentially valuable. If you've held him all season, I would be inclined to keep doing so with Reinhardt. But of course, do your due diligence. Check out the other available options. But I'm not giving up on him until I see Eichel gone for the season. And then Victor Olofsson, oh boy, with Marcus Johansson, Dominic Cahoon last game. That, to me, is an insta-drop. I guess my working theory on top line Skinner, which ties into Olofsson's fate, is that maybe Skinner's up on the top line to help get Eichel going. Not that Olofsson has been bad playing with Eichel, but it's a thought. They're like, okay, here's a great opportunity to throw Skinner back up there, try and get those two making magic again. Uh, for To what end? I'm not sure, because Buffalo seems very much out of the playoff race. Uh, but uh, with every passing game that Olsen's not on the top line, he's pretty much worthless to me. Same for Skinner. So they both have this caveat that's very similar to what we just talked about in Edmonton with Cassian, Ennis, Neil, Athanasiu. They can either be 
probably helpful to you on the top line or they're absolutely worth nothing. So in a league, if you have limited moves, just be careful if you're about to really invest in one of these guys. Yeah, well, I guess the big difference is McDavid and Drysaddle don't appear to be playing through any injuries. They're doing just fine. Like I said, multiple points per game, pretty much every single game. Jack Eichel's cold. So even like, it's sort of like you're taking a double chance where first you're, if you're banking on Skinner, you're first hoping he stays on the top line and you're hoping that top line actually scores some goals. And like you say, maybe there's a bit of bad luck involved in the past week. They should have scored more based on the shots they've been taking. Uh, so yeah, if, if you're desperate, I think Skinner could be a really high upside guy, but uh, not the most exciting. We're going to get to some other names on the episode, so it'll be fun at the end for the listener in the end like it's kind of going to be a gut decision it's very hard to predict what's going to happen in a single week or two so brian and i are going to do our best to throw a ton of names at you and then you could decide how you compare skinner to some of the others uh brian before we go to our next team i want to go to the rangers but first let's thank a sponsor for this week's episode we haven't talked about them for a while but we're really happy to welcome back our friends from seat geek because brian don't you feel sometimes like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose is that possible i don't know maybe though it feels like it. It's as if they're so big, they can just get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying, doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? Well, guess what? Now we have an example of one that does care, because with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there is a better way. You could search for sports, live music, comedy, anything going on, I'm pretty sure you're going to find it over on SeatGeek. They have the tickets you're looking for all in one place, and they're going to sort it by price. Like, you could see get the price that you want to pay also i really like how you could sort by value it's a really good feature that i use sometimes i just go on SeatGeek and i wanted to see what's going on in my town you know uh we just talked about buffalo sometimes i want to take a look a uh, buffalo section not too far from toronto maybe i should get my brother to drive me over and see what's going on looks like i could go and see the bruins at the sabers next weekend brian would you be interested in seeing the bruins at the sabers only if Jack Eichel is playing and healthy. I don't want to see abdominally injured Jack Eichel. Might be a scary game for you to go to if Linus Allmark's in net. Your like matchup is on the line and he's going up against the Bruins, who are a pretty scary team. But, you know, it might be fun to scout Allmark. Uh, you could go see that game in Buffalo. Let's say if you had the option to see that or you had the option to go see Adam Sandler at the Key Bank Center in Buffalo. Which one do you think is going to cost you more money? Both great prices on SeatGeek, but let's play a little game. That's a really, really tough one. I think that Adam Sandler is going to be more expensive than a Sabres game at this point, than Sabres game number 70 or whatever it is. Yeah, that was an easy one. Okay, (laughs) Okay, yeah. But look at this, 62 bucks to go see Adam Sandler and $28 or more to see the Bruins at the Sabres. It's really easy to find good prices, anything you want. Like I said, I I didn't even know Adam Sandler was touring, but there you go. Now I know because of SeatGeek. So, Brian, if our listeners are still thinking, yeah, this sounds great, but I'm I'm really tight on cash. Do we have anything else we could offer them? It's great that you asked, Elon, because we do. SeatGeek is going to give our listeners $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So first, download the SeatGeek app today or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code KEEPING for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code KEEPING for $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek! Be a geek, by a seat. There you go. Let's go. We're still in New York, but let's go to the big city because we've got another outjury there. Igor Shestyorkin didn't have the best return, unfortunately, for from his rib injury. He led in five goals on 23 shots before getting pulled against the Devils. But still, nice to see that Igor is back. Uh, unfortunately, that ended a seven-game winning streak for the rookie Phenom. If it was me, I'd still 
add and start him with confidence if he gets Tuesday's game at Dallas. Curious, now, Brian, do you concur? Obviously, we can't predict goalies, but Shostakovich is doing so well. I'm just going to say, whatever. He needed to work something out, and if they're going to play him again on Tuesday, I would have full confidence. Okay, so... I am interested in Igor Shosturkin so long as the Rangers have an outside chance at the playoffs because that's when I see the Rangers riding him. And again, so long as he's 100% healthy and hasn't been hurried back, I can imagine it's hard to really play your best and be a great goalie in your first game back from any injury. But my question for Shosturkin is, do ribs actually heal this quickly? Like, isn't there something about them just not healing Brian, I, I don't know. I would hope that the doctors on the team uh, know what they're doing, but I guess maybe the Buffalo doctors might not. So I, I don't know. I feel like why w- the, the Rangers don't have a shortage of goalies, right? They've got three goalies on the team, so I don't think they would play Shostyorkin if he's hurt and if he's not playing well. Like He had one bad game now against New Jersey. I think he gets the start versus Dallas on Tuesday, and then I think we'll learn a lot from there about what's the plan for the rest of the year. I mean, I'm looking online, and I see that it takes about six weeks, and we know everything we read on the internet is true. It takes six weeks for broken ribs to heal and that you should avoid activities that could further injure your ribs all right well, i hope the rangers what... are taking good care of igor shesterkin is all i'm saying did you see the x-rays no i don't know how there must be different levels of breaking or bruising really or... I... it's not just broken or not seems like a pretty black and white scenario I, I mean, I don't really know what's going on in there. I'm, I'm going to stop speculating. So that's just Jorkin. Hopefully that was a helpful segment on the show. And then, of course, since we're on the Rangers, we have to, of course, talk about the insane run that my new nemesis, Mika Zibanejad, is on. Zibanejad thoroughly ripped me apart this week. Big reason why I'm going to be watching the couple tier one action from the sidelines for the next two weeks. Congrats, Jeff, because he was in on just... Uh, insanity. Zibanejad has only gone without a goal once in his last 11 games. Like, every single game aside from one in his last 11, he scored at least one. And of course, that includes that big five-goal game on Thursday versus Washington. He's got 15 goals and six assists in his last 11 games. Brian, like... It, it, it breaks my brain. Why does this have to happen against me? But anyways, doesn't matter. It's fine. But actually, I went to exercise today this afternoon and, and get my mind off of the hockey scores. Like, I, I think it's going to be good for me, actually, to be eliminated. I'm going to just, you know, cheer for my friends. I'm going to cheer for you to uh, stay in tier two. I'm going to cheer for Ben and Lewis to make it to tier one to join me. Dave Benton next year. That's going to be a lot of fun. So what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the Rangers. So Mika Zibanejad's clearly very, very good. By the way, this is with Chris Kreider having gotten hurt, right? So Phil Giuseppe has taken Kreider's place. Doesn't matter. Mika's now up to 39 goals, 72 points, and 55 games on the season. That's a pace. If he were to play all season at that pace, 58 goals and 107 points. So insane. Brian, do you think, looking to next year a little bit, is Mika now a sure first rounder in fantasy? Like maybe time to consider him over the likes of like Matthews, Kane, Crosby, Stamkos, Eichel, Barkov, like, or at least in the conversation with these guys, like the season he's having right now, especially with this current run is, is unbelievable. Well, first, let's give ourselves a quick pat on the back. We don't do this often, but we were excited about Zibanejad this preseason and projecting him to improve on last year's 74-point pace. But holy cow, did Mika Zibanejad exceed even our higher expectations? We thought 80 points in our Almanac in 82 games. Right, and also, I think that uh, prediction that we had of him doing better was because we were assuming he was going to play with Panarin. And that would yeah. make, he, doesn't even need, he doesn't even need Panarin. I know. So, like, Elon, I'm trying to give us some credit here, and you're just really 
ripping it away. Uh, we had him projected for 80 points. He's played 55 games, and he's already at 72 points, which, as you mentioned, a 107-point pace, which would bring him over the century mark if he was able to play a full 82 games. Maybe he'll still get there. He's got enough room if he can only grab, what, three points a game the rest of the way? But now the obvious question that we're all going to ask especially for those of us like you who are eliminated from the playoffs, is, is Zibanejad's season for real? How do I look at him next year? And I think a lot of what Zibanejad has done is for real. Mika's actually held pretty steady in his assist rates this year, but has turned it way up in five-on-five goal scoring, doubling his five-on-five goals per 60 rates from the last few years. Although his expected goals per 60 hasn't doubled along with those actual goal rates, Zibanejad has upped his shot-taking game, which helps, and he's on track to match the best shot generation numbers of his career, which, believe it or not, came in his sophomore season back in 2013-2014 in his second year in Ottawa. Also, some people might look at Zibanejad's shooting percentage and say, hey, at five on five, he's about to set a career high, but it's not egregiously high. It's just one or two percent above his two highest shooting percentage seasons to date. Now on the power play, Zibanejad is scoring on 25% of his shots, which is high and is going to regress, but he also ranks fifth in the league in power play expected goals scored per 60 minutes behind such powerhouses like Alex Chieson, Craig Smith, Evander Kane, and Patrick Hornquist. So, okay, this isn't an airtight list of expected goals, but we know that none of these guys, or few of those guys, have the same role on the power play as Mika Zibanejad. So, uh, I don't mind that he's scoring on a quarter of his power play shots because he is expected to score on not quite a quarter, but maybe he could get close to a fifth. Uh, so Zimanejad has this high shooting percentage on the whole. It may not stick, but I think he's legit dangerous, especially when playing with Panarin, who clearly knows how to set him up and also gives the defense another target to be keying in on, but doesn't even need him, as you just mentioned. Uh, so Zimanejad, like I, I, I just keep saying his name. What a season he's having, and I think he now enters the conversation with the Eichels, Barkovs, Panarins of the league, though he's only done this once, right? So you asked me how to value him in drafts alongside those guys and Matthews and Kane and Crosby. All those guys have done really great things multiple times. So maybe I still prefer them to Zibanejad, except maybe Stamkos. Maybe if you see him on the downswing and Zibanejad on the upswing, at the very least, uh, Zibanejad looks like a second rounder to me, though. If you can get him anytime beyond that in your drafts next year, you are laughing. Yeah, and uh, that's definitely unlikely. This will be a fun conversation to continue in the summer. But I'm just marveling at this uh, crazy week he's had, of course, against me. And then, Brian, how is his line mate, Pavel Buchnevich, only 17% owned in Yahoo? Like, he's playing with Zibanejad. He's been assisting on a bunch of these goals. Uh, Buchnevich has a goal and six assists in his last five games. I feel like if Buchnevich is in free agency right now, I think it'd be crazy not to jump all over him, right? Yeah, Buchnevich is an Insta ad. It's really heartening to see him hold top line deployment through this stretch as a guy who's had such an on and off again relationship with a top line role in his career. Booch has now been with Zibanejad for pretty much the last 25 games, which feels like a career high run of great deployment for Buchnevich. And with Kreider out and Panarin sometimes joining them, Buchnevich is holding on all the while to that top line position. Mwah. I love it. So as I said, Insta add and maybe are you going to correct me because I said top line? Do the Rangers have two top lines? Are you going to drop that on me? 
that's a you thing. I remember the summer you were like, whenever I br- brought up the Montreal Canadiens lines, you're always like, oh, the Denone line is the top line. And it turned out you were right because Max Domi and Drewan apparently suck. That's a whole other conversation. Uh-huh. Anyway, so uh, I don't know how useful this is. Oh, yeah, it's useful because Bucinevich might be available to in free agency. And I think you want to add him. A guy is probably not available. I'll just mention Tony D'Angelo now pacing for 66 points on the season. That's even better than Eric Gustafsson last year. So, Brian, I don't know. If you had to guess now, maybe this is too much offseason talk. I'm just excited about all this. Do you think D'Angelo will be able to keep this up next year and like prove that this is for real? Or is he potentially going to be next year's? Well, Eric Gustafsson, right? Gustafsson also came out of nowhere, took over on the top power play and was amazing for the Blackhawks. And this year he completely disappeared. I wonder if that is D'Angelo's future or if D'Angelo is an all-star. He's for sure going to get drafted super high in a lot of leagues. And I don't know, just quick gut thought. Do you think that D'Angelo will be worth his high draft pick next year? Elon, I'm a robot. I do not use my gut. So my first answer is save some questions for the offseason. You know, you're you're getting a little too far ahead here, but I'll give you my shortest answer that I can, which is I don't know that D'Angelo is truly a 60 plus point defenseman. Five on five, there are two numbers of his that are red flags to me. The first is that he's shooting above eight and a half percent, which is a rare height for a defenseman. Only 10 or so NHL defensemen sustainably convert on that many of their shots. And then also, D'Angelo has a 55% IPP this year, which is really high for a defenseman. In the last three seasons, only one defenseman has managed to hold an IPP above 50%, and his name is Eric Carlson. Only eight other defensemen have an IPP above 45% over the last three years, which is 10% lower than D'Angelo's mark so far this year. So that's why I'm skeptical. I think D'Angelo is a great guy to have, and is fulfilling potential that we hoped was there, but we're probably seeing a little more from D'Angelo this season than we should expect from him next year. I'm not ready to call him next year's Eric Gustafsson at all, though, though I wasn't ready to say that about this year's Eric Gustafsson either. I would be hopeful early on, like very early on, talking about drafts in September and October. I'm hoping that D'Angelo can at least hit 50 next year, and the upside to reach 60 is still there, but it wouldn't be something I'm relying on. Yeah, that's right. Plus Adam Fox, who's also having a really great rookie season. You never know if he takes over at some point. Okay, let's get back to looking at next week. So another player that hasn't played yet, but is scheduled to play soon is Alex Tuck over in Vegas. He's been participating in practice for Vegas, could return for their upcoming road trip. Keep in mind that Mark Stone is injured, right? So this isn't another like earlier in the year like where Alex Tuck goes and joins the bottom six. There's a prime spot waiting for him playing with Pacioretty and Carlson. Right now, a guy named Nicholas Roy has been playing on that spot. And on Friday... Uh, he took five shots versus Winnipeg, played 17 minutes in the 4 nothing loss. Uh, I'm seeing that Vegas is playing today against Calgary. Let's see how uh, Nicholas Roy is faring. I'm loading it up. And Roy has no points, two shots. So I don't know. I feel like this is definitely a spot that Alex Tuck can take once he comes back. So I don't know like how much advice we can give, but I would say definitely put him on your radar. Maybe if you could stash him in your IR now and then have him ready to add once he comes back. I, th- I think it's a really good spot for him. And he's shown that when he's in the top six, he could go on really good runs. Sure. Nicholas Roy is a good deep cut so long as he's still in the top six. For anyone who's like, who is this guy? 23 years old, was a fourth round pick of Carolina back in 2015. This is his third year as a pro, and he's seeing scoring success in the AHL for the first time in his career. 22 points in 27 games with AHL Chicago, which, to be fair, may also just represent the first opportunity that Nicholas Roy has gotten to produce in the minors. So go ahead, watch him. Interesting as a deep cut. Again, only when he's in the top six. Once he drops out of there, forget it. Yeah, but and then Alex Tuck, you concur? He's someone that you're going to be very interested in once he comes back? Very interested. Again, so long as he's in the top six. I'll take any Vegas forward in the top six. 
Nah, I don't know. I wouldn't take Nicholas Roy. <laughs> I, I, I'm not too excited about him even there. I'm not so excited about Chandler Stevenson, but I am excited for Alex Stock. To me, he's a cut above. Uh, someone, though, who I'm not excited about who's in the top six is Jonathan Marcheseau, who's completely disappearing. He only has two assists in his last eight games. I guess Vegas is winning 3 nothing against Calgary right now. Let's see. Did Marcheseau get no points so far? Again, what is happening to this guy? Brian, I feel like whenever I bring up Marcheseau going cold, and it's happened a few times over the past couple of seasons, you generally say you still have faith in him that he's like a star in the league. He's really good. But is it possible that maybe he's not, like, as good as as we think? Like, last year, remember, he had that disappointing 59-point season after having, you know, that great 75 points in Vegas' inaugural season. This year, he's only on pace for even less. He's only on pace for 56 points. It's going to go down if he doesn't get any points today. Like, Brian, I'm not saying Marshall so is someone you drop at this point, but is he someone maybe you'd be apprehensive putting in your lineup for a weekly matchup or on a busy night? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just curious to know if you've changed your mind, because I feel like you've always been a huge Marshall so booster. And last year, you said that you thought that, you know, his slowdown down wasn't for real and you expected him to bounce back and he's ended up being even worse and he's cold now at a terrible time so what's your current stance on Jonathan Marcheseau and how big of a superstar he really is you've got me right this has essentially been my approach to Jonathan Marcheseau that I always thought there was something more there I mean we knew some of those 75 points in 77 games that Marcheseau got in Vegas's inaugural season came thanks to William Carlson's unsustainable 40-goal season. But I had faith that that was just the tip of the iceberg for Marcheseau, who could still approach those heights again by bringing more of his own game that we hadn't yet seen at that point. But now he's 29 years old, and we're seeing two full seasons of being a 55-60 point guy. I think I'm good to settle on him being just that. Maybe 25 goals, 30-35 assists. That's what he's done pretty sustainably the last couple of years. I still hold out a little hope that Marcheseau is more likely to finish above that mark than below it. Uh, I do see a low on-ice shooting percentage this season if I want to really hold out. But I'm ready to stop expecting better than this from Jonathan Marcheseau. So... Everyone who never let me buy low on him in a trade the last couple of years when I was trying to put my money where my mouth was and get him on my roster is probably disappointed that they won't have the opportunity to take advantage of me next year after choosing not to the last two years. So joke's on you, guys who wouldn't trade me, Marcia. So to answer your question, Elon, he's not a high-end start. I agree with you. Okay, so very sad. I guess you want the guy playing maybe with, like, Pacioretty right now is the better line. But uh, anyway, that, that's getting in the weeds yet. So Marcheseau, not so great right now. Another player worth mentioning is Marc-Andre Fleury, who's kind of stunk lately. He's had two straight really bad games, letting in four goals against both LA, by the way, the red-hot LA Kings. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And Winnipeg, Fleury had bad games against both of those teams. Meanwhile, Robin Leonard has been golden. And yes, the pun is intended. Since joining the Golden Knights, he's had a two-goal against game versus Buffalo, and then a 27 save shutout over New Jersey which was on Tuesday and Leonard is playing today and like I said oh he just led in a goal so he's led in one goal so far versus Calgary halfway through but it's looking like he's playing pretty well overall so far from the numbers uh what do you think Brian for the rest of the season like is this the case where Robin Leonard is going to take over as a starter like looking really short term Vegas plays again tomorrow right against Edmonton so you'd imagine Fleury will play regardless and then they play again Thursday Sunday so we actually have Jarrison in our uh chat room right now trying to figure out which goalie he wants to add for next week, and Leonard is available. Do you think there's a good chance that Leonard gets the Thursday-Sunday and continues to do really well? Or do you think it's like if if Flurry has a good game tomorrow against Edmonton, then you could throw it all out the window and we're just back to 50-50? Well, Brad got this conversation started in our Facebook group a couple days ago. He just made a post that said, Flurry 1B, and I went a step further. And I said, I actually think it's going to be Flurry number two come playoff time, maybe even before them. 
I think game one starter for Vegas in the playoffs has got to be Robin Lehner. It's wild that no team has wanted to commit to Lehner. Like, teams go decades without finding a goaltender that they can rely on or have on their team. Lehner is that guy, and yet he's been rebuffed by both the Islanders and Chicago when trying to negotiate a seemingly fair contract with both teams. So I, I guess we can move on past the contract business, but I think Robin Lehner has a shot at starting more than half the games down the stretch and then leading the Golden Knights onto the ice on game one of their Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and if he's available in free agency, like, yeah, maybe don't add him right away as soon as you listen to this podcast. Maybe you could just wait until his start, his next start is announced, which might not be until Thursday. But definitely, if he's announced for Thursday and you need a goalie, I'd grab him and hope that he could play Thursday, Sunday, give you a good end to the week for your goalie cats. But okay, Brian, that's the out juries section. Again, this was an Alex Tuck-inspired section, even though he's not back yet. But again, remember Alex Tuck. I'm excited about him. Okay, let's go to some injuries now. The biggest name on the injury front this week is Thomas Tatar over in Montreal. Tatar's out with an upper body injury no diagnosis at this time that i've seen in the two games that he's missed montreal has stunk they they're not scoring goals they were shut out by tampa then they lost 4-1 to the panthers on saturday looks like arturi lekkinen took tatar's spot on the top line with Deneau and gallagher but of course no points in these two games normally i'd say oh great you know whenever a player gets injured that's on the top line you want to grab the guy that's replacing him but right now i don't know maybe it's not worth looking at arturi lekkinen unless it's a super deep league because i worry that maybe montreal's just not going to be able to score goals. That is a legitimate worry. I love that line. As you know, even though they're not the most productive line in hockey, they're one of my favorite lines in hockey for their shot attempt share domination. Uh, but like I said, they're not a high-end production line, even when they're all healthy. And without Tomas Tatar, who is tied for first in Montreal for the most goals on the team with Brendan Gallagher, I imagine they won't be producing quite as much as a trio. So that's a note just for anyone thinking about picking up Arturi Lekkinen. And also a note for anybody who owns Deneau and Gallagher expect maybe a slight downtick in their numbers for as long as Tatar is out. Yeah, you might just want to forget about Montreal. Like, Brian, tell me if this is too crazy of an idea to bring up there, but I think maybe you just consider dropping Carey Price at this time, even if you've been holding him all year waiting for your fantasy playoffs, especially if there's a lot of goalies. If Robin Leonard is out there, I would definitely prefer Leonard to Price. I wonder, like, even if goalies are hard to find in free agency, I wonder if Price is going to hurt you more than he's going to help. Like, first of all, six of his last nine games have seen him sport a save percentage lower than 900. So that's six of nine where he's blowing you up, definitely hurting you. And then to make matters worse, now that the Habs are out of the running coach julian seems to be giving his number one goalie a little bit of rest like charlie lindgren got the start for the habs on saturday even though they didn't play the day before or after like i wouldn't be surprised just see carrie price only get two games again next week and maybe he'll just go go two two on one off you know for the rest of the year since what do they have to play for why burn him to the ground so i'm very concerned about carrie price and yeah i actually dropped him in my cupful matchup like obviously i was more thinking very short term and i had a feeling he wasn't going to play on saturday but i don't think my tier one competitors should be adding him. I'll be interesting to see who does, if any. I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot of smart people that have a feeling he might stay in free agency. I'm also curious to see how that plays out. We had this chat as you were thinking about dropping him over on a, on, a, on our little private chat that's just for Elon and I, okay? We need some space just for us, but we're happy to share the results of that chat with you, which was I ended up going back to find the most recent example of Montreal being out of the playoffs this 
this far into the season when there's this much time left. And the last time that happened, uh, Carey Price started only two-thirds of the games the rest of the season. So maybe, Elon, you're right. Maybe he's not a workhorse anymore. And if there's even any slight injury for him, too, you got to figure the Habs would shut him down. So there's a couple reasons to not want to be relying on Carey Price down your playoff stretch. He is injury-prone, and the slightest bit means he's going to sit. And even if he's healthy... He's probably going to miss a third of the games down the stretch. And even if he plays two thirds of the games and that helps you, no guarantee for his recent record that he's going to help you all that much. So Elon, I'm sorry Carey Price hurt you, and I hope he doesn't hurt anyone else. Yeah, I mean, it's my fault. I shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. I always tell myself not to spend on goalies, but then in the auction draft for Tier 1, I for some reason thought Carey Price was going to have a really good season. That was dumb. Next year, I'm not paying more than $5 in the auction draft for a goal. You've heard it here first, okay? Uh, also, by the way, Brian, even if Carey Price plays well, he probably still won't win because Thomas Tatar is out and they can't score goals. There's lots of reasons to be concerned about owning the Habs goalie. Uh, next, let's look at Arizona, where Connor Garland is considered week-to-week with a lower body injury. It looks like Kay- Clayton Kelly had already jumped up to the Taylor Hall line along with Dvorak lately and there's a decent chance Keller might be available in your free agency list dear listeners because the Coyotes are coming off two straight two game weeks so I wouldn't be surprised if Keller's been dropped in your league so I would definitely take a look and see if you can grab him because if he's going to be playing with Taylor Hall uh, that's a really good spot also Keller has seven points in his last five games with two of those games having been two goal and one assist affairs like I always love to stream someone that has the potential to pop off for a multi-point game you know like it's you know always nice and reliable to get someone who you're hoping to get an assist from but Keller is someone that we've seen just recently could give you a big hit and now he's playing with Taylor Hall so Brian are you with me Clayton Keller maybe uh I don't know if I want to say like a must add but I because they only play three times but I'd be very interested in grabbing Clayton Keller if you can Clayton Keller had six multi-point games in his first uh let's see 65 games of the season and then he pops off two multi-point games in his last five. So thank you, Clayton Keller, for doing that. Uh, I'm sure people aren't saying exactly thank you who owns Clayton Keller earlier and then dropped him and then missed on this at a critical time. I would happily add Clayton Keller, though, if I had the chance. Like you said, he's playing with Taylor Hall. Maybe he's building some momentum. It's been a really sad year for Clayton Keller, and I'm not at all happy with how it went, and I'm not ready to even think about what it means for his draft value next season. But in the short term, look, he had a five-shot game recently, a couple three-shot games to go with these goals. Of course, he's scoring more than he should, but maybe just maybe he's gaining a little more confidence or whatever it is that turns a good NHL player who should be good into a player who is actually good. So Clayton Keller, definitely worth adding, especially while he's playing with Taylor Hall. Yeah, and with Connor Garland injured, maybe he gets a longer chance there, unless they decide to try Nick Schmaltz there again. That didn't work out so well. Also, Brian, uh, Oliver ekman Larson, all of a sudden, five points in his last three games, all at even strength. So if he were to able to get some points in the power play, he'd be doing even better. Uh, did we maybe screw the pooch a little? We, we just said recently that people should move on from Oliver ekman Larson. We're not expecting much from him. And then here he goes, making us look bad. Do you think this is just a lucky run? Or do you expect OEL to continue with a strong pace to end the season? He's got 30 points now. I think it would be nice to at least see him pick up 10 in his last around 15 games hit 40 points kind of embarrassing for Oliver Ekman Larson if he doesn't even hit 40 maybe he can if he could continue this run to some extent though it is worth noting Jacob Chikrin was on the ice for today's practice so he could return soon maybe that could eat into some of OEL's success Ekman Larson really I maintain this he really hasn't deserved any better numbers than he's gotten this year at five on five 
I am HO. If Eggman lies in his last point somewhere, it's on the power play, and I don't think he's lost a ton there, even. So it's nice if Keller, Holland, Vorak clicked to help Arizona produce in a way they haven't all season. That, of course, will help Eggman Larson's bottom line, but I'm not changing my tune on him. Lucky you. If you own Eggman Larson, he gets you points, but he's definitely in the Devin Taves, Eric Gustafson tier of owning for me still, as a guy who's in a place to do something, but may or may not ever do it. Of course, that sort of changes for Gustafson now that he's in Calgary, but the Chicago version of him this year. And with the imminent return or potentially imminent return of Jacob Shikrin, I'm even less interested in committing myself to Ekman Larson. My advice last time was you can add him, you can try him out, see if he gets you points, but don't be overcommitted to him right now. You're doing a good job. You added him, he got you points, but don't make this mistake now of the overcommitment part. Yeah, fair. But you're not saying to drop him, right? You hold, you hold on, but you're ready to cut the cord if it seems like maybe the good times are over, especially with Chicken back. So I am with you, Brian. And we've still got so much to get to on this episode. We've got new line combinations and a bunch of hot streaks and cold streaks that we're going to recommend to you all in terms of players you might want to add or players you may want to cut bait on going into a fantasy playoff matchup. Before we get to it, let's thank one more sponsor for this episode. We really want to thank our friends over at Roman for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So Brian, there's a new sponsor. We talked about them a few weeks ago. Again, if you recall, we were talking about how people in the U.S. have to wait a really long time to see a doctor. It, it turns out that Americans are generally waiting around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. And if you're dealing with a condition, something you're concerned about, say like erectile dysfunction or some sort of like cold sore or, or any type of medical issue, like something like that, you just want to get help right away. Like you don't want to be like waiting for Jack Eichel to get a point and you're just waiting game after game after game and nothing's happening. Maybe he'll get you a point or maybe like just you're going to be eliminated. Maybe this thing that you need help for is, is going to get worse. And like you want someone like you want a Mika Zibanejad type service where you're getting goals game in game out. And that's what Roman is offering to you because they have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you to, with a doctor licensed in your state all from the comfort of your home. And Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. All you have to do, you grab your phone or computer, you complete a free online visit, and you're going to hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours, okay? None of this 29-day nonsense. 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You can also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there's no commitments. You could cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED or any of the other stuff I was talking about, check out GetRoman.com slash Carlson. They have a list of all the different issues that they can help you with. So you can check and see if they can help you out. Again, that's GetRoman.com slash Carlson for a free online visit and that free two-day shipping. So once again, that's GetRoman.com slash Carlson for a free free online visit and free two-day shipping. I wanted to say something, too. No, for sure, Brian. Thank you for helping me uh, close that out, and thanks again to our friends at Roman. Okay, so let's get to all the other players I wanted to bring up. I want to start with some interesting new line combinations that we've been seeing over the past week. Of course, this is like a tricky game, because just because a team changed up their lines recently doesn't mean they'll change back, so you don't want to put too much stock in it, but it's definitely worth noting when there's a big change, and we've got a big one over in Florida. The Panthers decided to change up their top line yesterday. They put Frank Vitrano up with Barkov and Dadanov, and hey, 
any savvy line watchers who added Vetrano, they were rewarded with an assist and three shots in the win over the Habs. Uh, so that's great. And maybe he's a guy now you want to hold on to if he's going to stick on the top line with Barkov. Uh, this, of course, bumped Jonathan Huberdeau to the second line to join Mike Hoffman and Eric Howla on a line that, that I'd like to preemptively dub the Triple H line, if no one has done that yet. Huberdeau, Hoffman, Howla. What a pedigree that group has. Uh, unbelievable. This is why uh, we've got one of the, the best in the biz here, Brian Com. Uh, so yeah, that line actually scored a goal in the third in that game versus the Habs yesterday. Huberdeau potted the goal, uh, assisted by Howla and Hoffman. So if this sticks, perhaps guys like Vetrano and Eric Howla become more appealing as streams for a playoff matchup, right? Like you've got Vetrano again playing with Barkov and Dadanov, and then Howla with Huberdeau and Hoffman. That's awesome. Though, of course, maybe the bigger stories might be a bit of a Buffalo situation because the reason for the change is the previous top line of Barkov, Dadanov, and Huberdeau have been ice cold. Barkov is now pointless in five games, Dadanov pointless in six games. So I guess I'll ask you a similar set of questions that I threw at you when we were talking about the Sabres, Brian. So first of all, should Barkov owners be worried going into a playoff matchup, just like I asked about Eichel? Is Dadanov potentially droppable, just like I asked about Reinhardt? And then do Howla and Vetrano interest you as streams if they're available, uh, potentially maybe even over an Evgeny Dadanov if he's out there as well? No, that's crazy. I am uh, not worried about Barkov. Only two goals on his last 50 on-ice shots for over his last six games at five on five. So I'm not worried about Barkov. It's like an Eichel situation, except Barkov apparently has no abdominal injury. So I'm still all in on Barkov. Dadanov, I feel the same way. Vitrano and Hala, again, I wouldn't prefer them over Dadanov, but I would definitely consider them, especially Vitrano, who's good in leagues that'll value his shots too. He's been a, a high-end streamer for a lot of the season, and that probably just ups his value a little bit above that. So if you were sort of having him as your third or fourth choice when you were making a lot of player ads. Now maybe he's your first or second instead when you're making free agent ads. Definitely an interesting situation. Of course, they could also just switch back. They just won the game against Montreal. Maybe now they'll say, all right, let's get back to what's worked for most of the season. Or maybe not. Maybe after a win, they just stick with it going forward. So definitely something to watch. Of course, for good measure, we have to mention Keith Yandel. I think we've done this already on the show before. And I think I know what your answer is going to be. But I'll just say, like, he's like a total coin flip at this point, right? Like, he could go off for a few power play points in a given game. Or he can stay super quiet like he's been for the last four games where he's done nothing. I think Yandel's, like, potentially droppable especially in a bangers league maybe you want to shore up some peripherals drop yandel for someone like an eric johnson if he's available at least get those guaranteed blocks and maybe some points as opposed to yandel who will maybe get you a power play assist but really isn't doing much else for you i'd I'd be concerned as a yandel owner well the reason you're concerned as a yandel owner and why everyone's concerned as a barkov and dadanov owner too is that the florida power play is ice cold they have succeeded on just four attempts in their last 15 games, they've had 42 tries. So 4 for 42 are the Panthers on the power play in their last 15 games. 0 for 14 in their last five games played. And that's hurting all these guys. That's hurting Yandel, Dadanov, and Barkov. So with each of them, I don't see a reason to give up on them completely because power play cold snaps like this generally don't last forever. But This is a gut time of year, right? Where you're like, well, is it going to last too long for me to survive? Or are they going to come back? I don't know when this slump is going to end on the power play. But the moment it does, you're going to wish you still had these guys on your roster or were starting them every chance you got. So that's a call that you're going to make as a manager. How much patience you want to have for these guys. If I had them on my roster... I would probably keep holding on to them unless I saw a streamer that I could get in for an extra couple man games played. Yeah. Okay. How about this? You 
cold yandel for Monday versus St. Louis. I'm going to give you some stream scheming right here, okay? Then you drop him. You get Adam Fox for Tuesday, Wednesday for the Rangers. And then you try to get Yandel back on Thursday. If you don't get him back, then you try one of these other defensive options that are out there. But maybe you, if he uh, it doesn't do anything on Monday, I wonder if it's hard to hold Yandel all the way till Thursday as well. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe try it out. But I agree with you, Brian. It's very hard to predict. He could easily give you a power play assist or two in a game and no one would be shocked and you'd be beating yourself up for having dropped him if you really needed those points. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, that's the lesson. Power plays. Hard to predict. Uh, let's go to Chicago now uh, where they've switched things up and it's really helped Dylan Strom was on a nice run six points in his last six games he had been playing on a line with Patrick Kane starting with a big two goal one assist game versus Anaheim on Tuesday which he followed up with an assist in a win over Edmonton on Thursday a rare win over Edmonton I should say Uh, but I see things got shaken up a bit in the 2-1 loss to Detroit on Friday so maybe we should take a look at the game today Chicago is playing St. Louis let me go to Dabber Hockey here and see in real time, what the lines have been. I'm seeing Kane with Nylander and Strom. So Strom back playing with Patrick Kane. And then let me also look at what's going on in the game. And right now, uh, Chicago's losing one nothing. So I guess no points yet. All this to say... It's been kind of like a disappointing season for Dylan Strom overall. Like, I saw him in a lot of free agent lists over the past couple of weeks, but that just kind of goes to show how impressive his last season was that his current 54-point pace is disappointing, considering, like, go to the beginning of last season when he was struggling just to make the Coyotes team. So, Brian, what do you think now? Moving forward, anyways, Chicago, they have an intriguing Wednesday, Friday, Saturday schedule next week. So, assuming uh, Strom is still playing with Patrick Kane, I can see Strom being a nice midweek ad if you could get him. You don't rush for him now, but you get maybe you get your Keith Yandel game on Monday or Dadanov or whoever, then you drop that player and you get Dylan Stroman for Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. You drop him for someone playing on Sunday. I like him as a midweek guy to look for. For sure, especially playing on off days. He's someone that you could stream in now that we're seeing signs of life from Dylan Strom. He had a stretch coming back from injury where he had just one point in 10 games. Actually, that was the whole stretch from when he came back from injury up until he started producing recently and became relevant again. But here's the thing. I'm not sure what Strom is doing is going to last. He's still not getting a ton of minutes. He averaged 17 minutes a night last season with Chicago. Then he was seeing 16 to 18 minutes most of this season. But since coming back from his injury, Strom has a lot of 12 or 13 minute nights, which concerns me. That said, if he's playing with Patrick Kane at five on five. I don't even really care. I'll take him even if he's not actually seeing those power play one minutes that I wish he still got, but they're missing. And that's why his ice time is as low as it is. If Dylan Strom continues playing with Patrick Kane at five on five, I will happily stream him into my roster for those nights. Yeah, get him for Wednesday, Friday, maybe reassess if you're full on Saturday and you wouldn't get him in your lineup anyway. Also, since we're on Chicago, gotta shout out last week's big bracket winner, Duncan Keith Bride. Did we call it or what? He's had a great week so far. Two assists versus Anaheim, an assist versus Edmonton. Then he had no points, but six shots versus Detroit on Friday. And we'll see how things turn out against St. Louis today. If he's still in free agency and you could use an offensive defenseman on your team, what are you waiting for? Go get Duncan Keith! Yeah, you shouldn't be waiting for anything because I doubt you. Well, your opponents are also waiting for something, apparently. You should not be waiting for him. Elon feels very good to have him on my roster. Very good. Uh, hopefully he'll continue this for you. I don't see anyone nipping at his heels for that top power play, and that's why we were into him. And actually, same goes for Corey Crawford. If you could use a goalie right now, Brian, I'd swap Carey Price for Corey Crawford in a second right now if I was still competing and I still had Carey Price. Do you concur? I concur. I would like Corey Crawford first. I actually while ago floated the possibility when 
Laner was traded to Vegas, who you jinxed, by the way, because now it's three to two Vegas. Laner has let in a couple goals. So Milan Lucic and Dylan, I think it, it, I, I never remember if it's Dubay or Dube. It should be Dubay, right? Anyway, uh, back when Laner was traded, I floated the possibility that maybe, just maybe Malcolm Subban gets a look, but Chicago still somehow, after going on a terrible run, they're now on a hot streak. They're hanging in on that Western Conference playoff race. There's no way they're giving anyone other than Crawford their net for as long as they're in that race and possibly beyond. One interesting storyline to watch that probably doesn't have any effect for the rest of this year, but I don't know if you realize, Elon, Corey Crawford's six-year, $6 million contract that felt like it was just signed yesterday, it expires at the end of this season. So Crawford what? will no longer be under contract in Chicago. You've got Malcolm Subban as a restricted free agent, Colin Delia, and uh, I forget his first name, but Lankin- Kevin Kevin Lankinen are playing games in the minors. I don't know what happens next in the Chicago net. It's been a while since we had this much uncertainty. Yeah, well, definitely great news for Corey Crawford because we thought that his career might have been done like last year when he was missing all that time with head injuries and then he came back and he wasn't playing well at all. Like I was really worried this might be the end of the line for him. So he's really bounced back in a big way and I didn't even realize he was an unrestricted free agent this summer. He's going to be in for some money. Hopefully though a team isn't dumb and gives him like five years or something because we know how that works out. No way. There's no way that's happening, especially with his injury history. I would honestly, as I said at the start of this season, I'd be just happy to see Corey Grafford say, hey, I had a good career. It's time to hang him up before any more injuries happen. Yeah, or maybe you could sign a one-year contract, try to go for another cup run with Chicago because they're still looking like a pretty good team and you they, they still have this window open for as long as Kane and Taves are around. Okay, so uh, some hot streaks. Let's go to the LA. I mentioned them before. The Kings are super hot right now. They've won their fifth game in a row yesterday, throwing a big bucket of cold water on Alex Stalock and the previously hot Minnesota Wild in a 7-3 to route. Now, I don't know if you call it, Brian, but when Tyler Toffoli got traded at the deadline, I said on this very podcast that Dustin Brown is probably worth an ad as he'll get his spot back with Kopitar for the rest of the season. And anyone who listened to me has been very handsomely rewarded because Brown now has five goals and three assists in his last six games after that big three-goal, one-assist outing yesterday on Saturday. Also, taking over three shots a game, uh, throwing lots of hits. Dustin Brown is helping you across the board. This is the Dustin Brown of a couple years ago when he had that resurgence. If he's still out there for you, go get Dustin Brown, right? L.A plays monday wednesday saturday so very at the very least get him for monday wednesday then maybe you could reassess for the rest of the week definitely grab him for monday wednesday if he's still somehow available he has 10 points in his last nine games but he is scoring on twice as many shots on goals as someone like pavel buchnevich is on this run and twice as many goals as dustin brown should be scoring on he's scoring on a quarter of the shots he's taken in this run and barely picking up assists seven goals three assists in his last nine games for dustin brown but might as well ride him as long as you can so if he's out there get those monday wednesday off games and then reassess from there well yeah like even if he doesn't keep up this pace he's still on the top line and top power play with Andre kopitar and if he goes down to like a 60 point pace that's probably still better than anyone you're going to find in free agency i'm not saying he's going to be point per game for the rest of the season so yeah good to throw a little bit of cold water on him but yeah definitely grab dustin brown especially for monday wednesday i would think uh then i guess if you go a little bit down if you can't get dustin brown don't sleep on alex Iafalo either right he's also on that top line has five points over his last four games and of course let's give credit to the actual person making all this happen and that's Andre kopitar who's now up to six points in his last four games 62 points in 68 games on the season another big season for the 32 year old Kopitar who doesn't slow down doesn't matter if he's on a team that can't score goals most of the time Kopitar just keeps putting up the big seasons I wouldn't be surprised if he does it all again next year 
a very quiet return to form for Anze Kopitar, almost on point per game. But I bet if you asked anyone that, they wouldn't realize it. They would still think he's on like a 60-point pace that he was last season. But he's returned to form. He's continued his pattern, actually, of being really good every other season. So I expect a down year next year in 2020-21 from Anze Kopitar. Yeah, I guess that's that's a funny pattern to find, but also it makes sense because who's he going to play with? Uh, Dustin Brown's obviously not getting any younger himself. Uh, unfortunately, like this LA team, like I said, is on a really great hot streak, but there's not really a goalie we can talk about to ride. Like, this isn't like a Corey Crawford situation where he's playing every game. It seems like LA has been splitting games between John- Jonathan Quick and Calvin Peterson since Jack Campbell was traded. Both are doing well lately. Like both are doing well in the games they have. Like Quick has five quality starts in his last six games. He's been really great for anyone who's streamed him in for games. But is this a situation where you grab an LA goalie now and hold on to him, hoping that the good times will continue? Or is this just like you stream one in when you get the chance, but then drop him after because he might not even get the next game? I actually wouldn't recommend either of those things, to be honest. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love what the Kings goalies are doing, but they're doing it all by themselves. Over the last five games, no team is averaging more expected goals against it five on five than the LA Kings, and they're near the bottom of the league and expected goals for two. So in desperation, sure, I may still turn to one of these guys, to Jonathan Quick or Cal Peterson, but you're playing with fire if you try to ride one of them during this hot streak of goaltending they've got going. The play of the team in front of them inspires Little to no confidence that these goalies are going to be supported either defensively or offensively. And this just feels like a recipe for a spot start disaster. So my only advice here is stream them only if you need to. Only if you're already behind and you're trying to catch up or you're really desperate and you need to take a take a big swing or go for a Hail Mary. Otherwise, even though they've been playing so well, I would leave Jonathan Quick and Cal Peterson alone. Okay, interesting advice. And actually, Jarrison was asking here in the live chat, which is only available for the patrons of Keeping Carlson on our Facebook group. He was asking what we think about Quick. And, and there's your answer. Hopefully your opponent, Jarrison, will grab Quick for this game against Colorado tomorrow. And hopefully then in that case, Brian's words will come true and he'll get blown up, which is definitely possible, right? Colorado's a team that could definitely score a lot of goals. Uh, speaking of goalies, I guess we've got to talk about UC Saros, the second part of the one-two punch that did me in versus Jeff in the kerfuffle this week, uh, along with Mika Zibanejad Saros had two straight shutouts versus Dallas this week. Just brutal, but obviously very good for him. He's played three games in a row now. He's clearly taken over as the starter in Nashville. No guarantees, but we're still seeing questions of Saros being available in people's free agent pools, and I feel like he's got to be a top goalie option right now going into next week, especially with a Tuesday game versus the listless, tatarless Montreal Canadiens. I could see a very good possibility of Saros getting his third straight shutout in that game. <laughs> well, that would be amazing. Way to go, UC Saros, for pulling that off if you do uh, it looks like he's going to have more chances to get shutouts though it looks like in nashville it's saros's net especially if the predators fight uh in that heated western conference wild card race in saros's last 19 decisions he's only lost three times in regulation and is a 925 goalie meanwhile in pecorine's last 15 decisions he's picked up just five wins he's lost the other 10 while posting an 894 save percentage so the choice here is pretty clear there's no controversy Pecorine maybe could still pop in and do stuff, but I wouldn't hold hold him on my roster, waiting for that to happen while Saros likely plays out most of the rest of the season, barring some massive stumble. It would have to be massive, because that's how big Rene's stumbles have been, so for them to turn away from Saros would be surprising at this point. 
Yeah, it would have to be like as if Corey Schneider all of a sudden comes back. And do- Wait, but that's actually happened, right? So I guess anything could happen. But I agree with you. If you have Rene, you can drop him like across the board. And Saros is going to be a really fun guy to try to rank next year. Like when we do our Schmore Goalies board episode and we're coming up with the goalie tiers, like Saros could potentially be a high volume starter on what I don't know what we thought was going to be a good team. And they might still be a playoff team, even though they haven't been the best this year. So I'll be it'll be fun to talk about Saros over the summer and how for real we think he is this is a great run he's on right now it sure is and i'd like to see the rest of the you know the remaining 20 percent of the season to figure out exactly what this means for yuzu saros going forward he and rene both signed as a tandem for one more year in nashville and we've seen this roller coaster that both of them can take us on they both had great runs they both had awful runs Uh, let's see how things go the rest of the season first and then we'll talk about next year for them yeah, sounds good. Okay, Brian, I, I got a classic Elon analogy for you. I think Rene and Saros this year, this is just like Grubauer and Varlamov last year on Colorado, where the season started and Varlamov was the starter and Grubauer like wasn't even doing that well. And then by the end of the year, Grubauer was like, getting shutouts all the time and he totally took over and he was also the starting goalie in the playoffs. And then he was the starting goalie this year for Colorado. Of course, Varlamov is gone. So maybe Saros is this year's Philip Grubauer and we'll see how that plays out for him next year. Sure. I, the contract situation, I think, makes that analogy difficult to come to All fruition. Right. Just, just, I'm talking about the players, not the contracts. Okay. So you're just saying Cyrus is going to be the starter next year. Well, I'm just saying that this season, it's gone a lot like how it went last season with Colorado. I like to find these little connections. There. I love the little connections you make. Thank you for making them. No, I don't think you do. You always like find the one little pin in the in the ointment. What's that saying? The Drop pin, in the oint- the, the fly. fly in the oint- <laughs> the pin in the- what's the pin? It's like a needle in, in a the haystack. haystack. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. These idioms are tough. I'm from Canada. And it's still tough for me. Okay, and uh, anyways, I brought up this other goalie situation. Kind of crazy. What's going on in New Jersey? Corey Schneider is back up with the Devils, and he's been great in the four games he's played recently. He's 3-0-1 with a 9.52 save percentage in the games he's played since coming up from the minors. So great news for Schneider. Not such great news for owners of Mackenzie Blackwood in fantasy. They were hoping and expecting that Blackwood was going to get the majority of the Devils games down the stretch. Now they may have to settle for a 50-50 split. And like, hey, Blackwood, he's been great himself, right? He's 6-1-1 in his last eight games, 9.46 save percentage, including a win over Shostyorkin and the Rangers yesterday. Uh, but what a crazy world where the Devils and Kings goalies are putting up quality starts game in, game out, but it's kind of hard to want one of them because they both seem to be splitting things 50-50. But yeah, Brian, so moving forward, should we just assume the Devils are going to go 50-50 for the rest of the year? Or do you expect someone to get, like next week, New Jersey plays four games. Is it going to be two and two? Or do you think that someone's going to get three of these four games? Elon, come on. You know I don't know the answer to this. What we, hunch. what we could depend on, of course, if there's one thing we can depend on, it's Corey Schneider getting hot at the end of the year. Remember last year when he had such a good run that it convinced you he might and convinced many that he might just might return to form this season and be a solid starter option that didn't happen so i'm not gonna go ahead i I don't even want to put my neck out uh, and reach on which goalie is gonna start more Uh, just keep in mind whoever does start for the devils like new jersey is not great but they do more for their goalies than say the los angeles kings do at both ends of the ice so that's a reason to be interested in whoever is starting for New Jersey. I don't know why the Devils wouldn't keep starting Blackwood unless they don't want to give him more ammo for RFA negotiations. Schneider, by the way, still signed for two more years at $6 million. Woof. 
if one of them gets more stars than the other, I guess it's going to be Blackwood. But then I guess maybe New Jersey wants to play Schneider and hopes he looks good again for their purposes of like playing him or trading. I don't know. There's a lot of layers here and I'm just trying to look for meaning and I'm having trouble finding it. So if I had to bet on one guy playing more the rest of the way, I'll bet Blackwood. But it's just uh, I think it's a 50-50 toss up. Okay, so basically you're saying the people who are hoping that Black would, would be their volume starter down the stretch looks like it's not going to happen. Brian, you're such a pessimist, eh? You're like, oh, they're probably just doing it because they don't want to give him more ammunition. Like, I don't know, like maybe some teams are just learning that it's just better not to tire out your goalie and you, 50-50 is a better recipe for le- fewer injuries and more success overall. That's what the Boston Bruins have shown us over the past couple of seasons. So I'm, I'm going to assume it's that. But I know you always think that these GMs and the coaches are, you know, trying to make sure they can nickel and dime again. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, I, Brian, I'm sorry. I'll continue. Uh, so, hey, P.K. Subban saw time on the top power play yesterday, picked up a power play assist, now has three assists in his last four games. So that's something, kind of like a Corey Schneider. After a whole season of being not great at all, Subban seems to be coming through for the people who still have him in the fantasy playoffs. If you need a D, Subban, yeah, may have a little bit of juice left for a big four-game week next week. I would take a look. Definitely far from a sure thing, of course, as we've seen, but I'd still I'd still prefer Duncan Keith. But I'd put Subban like, in a similar conversation with, say, like an Eric Johnson who I brought up before. Someone I haven't been into all season, but it's doing well now. Could end up being a really solid ad down the stretch. Well, Eric Johnson giving you some peripherals too. I guess you're arguing that Subban can do that while also putting up some points. Just 17 points so far in 67 games for P.K. Subban. Brutal year. It's like, can he hit 20? I think he's going to get 20 points, but that's still going to fall like 35, 40 points short of where we thought his upside was this year. Just so disappointing. He's going to go undrafted next year, right? Well, not if he wipes the bad taste out of people's mouths with a nice finish, uh, which started with a power play assist yesterday. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, obviously, we're not super excited about P.K. Subban, but he's someone I'd be looking at as a free agent ad for the stretch. Uh, Switching to an even deeper league defenseman to look at, I've noticed this guy, Joel Edmondson, over in Carolina. He's been showing up on the score sheet for Carolina a bit lately with three points in three games going into today's game versus Pittsburgh. And I wrote these notes before that game, but Carolina scored six. How many do you think Edmondson got in on? Uh, five. No, okay. <laughs> no point. No points, but three shots and four blocks and a plus one. And that's what we're seeing from him. Because aside from the points, which I don't expect you'll say will last, but Edmondson's been throwing two plus shots per game lately, along with a couple big, like five and six hit games. We're seeing he had a lot of blocks today. Now, any sense of what's changed for Joel Edmondson lately? Like, I see he's been getting over 20 minutes of ice time per game over the past week. And, like, for most of the season, he was around 16 or 18 minutes. Is it the Brett Pesci injury? That has led to this increased role for Edmondson. Like, I would have actually thought Brady Shea arriving would have neutralized that. But I don't know. For whatever reason, Joel Edmondson is all of a sudden a big minute defenseman on Carolina, and it's translating to some great peripherals. Carolina plays four times next week. So if you're in a bangers league and you want some help with shots, hits, blocks, and who knows, maybe a point, uh, I think that you should look at Joel Edmondson. He's totally under the radar, right? If you look even at stats from the past 30 days, it's going to include a lot of weak numbers. But this increase to over 20 minutes a game, super recent, just over the past couple of weeks. And Edmondson has a history of having done this. Two seasons ago, he was seeing more than 20 minutes a night in St. Louis when he had a couple of hits, shots, 
in blocks per game this so this year so far in Carolina he's averaging two minutes fewer per night but like you said Elon the second game after Pesci's injury was when Edmonton started getting these extra responsibilities and in his leagues he could offer some depth value I'm not counting on a lot of points from him maybe one here or there Uh, so don't be adding him for that but sure there's a chance at points the more often he's on the ice which we're seeing so long as Pesci's injured yeah, and obviously the more shots you take, like he had three shots today, no goals. But every once in a while, like Wayne Gretzky says, you take a shot, it turns into a goal. I think that's the exact quote. <laughs> uh, by the way, on Carolina also, how about Justin Williams? He scored in three straight games going into today. And then today, he scored a couple more. So that's now like five goals in his last four games for Justin Williams. He also had eight shots versus the Islanders on Saturday five shots today so this is someone that is very interesting before this he was pointless in 11 of his previous 12 games so he was doing nothing when he first got up is this just a case where he was shaking off the rust for a bit of time and now he's ready to explode for the rest of the season again like i said carolina four games next week so justin williams would definitely be someone i'd be looking at if he was available in my free agency right now that would be such a great narrative if all that was wrong with him when he was on my roster and i was waiting for him to do great things while on the top line in the top power play for his brief time on that top line uh, he just needed to get in game shape lately he really is looking like he's in game shape justin williams now has five goals on 20 shots in his last four games one part of that of course is concerning uh, he's scoring on 25 percent of his shots that's not gonna last but one part of that is still awesome 20 shots in his last four games 13 shots on goal just this weekend that's category winning material in two days he's still seeing mid six minutes at most though uh he's still hanging on to that power play role too uh his five on five minutes aren't with anyone exciting so this makes justin williams uh puts him back into stream territory i don't think he's quite yet a hold but with this four game week for justin williams coming up and if you could use some shots on goal uh, he could really offer you some good value down the stretch Okay, and then, uh, Brian, I'm a little concerned because Matthew wrote in the chat here that if we talk about a specific player, he's going to unsubscribe to the podcast because it cost him his playoffs. So I'm just going to mention there is a player on Carolina (laughs) who played his first game of the season today and had a good game, and his name sounds a lot like a sponsor of this week's episode. Uh, So, seat blank E. (laughs) He's Uh, not nerdy. Morgan is not nerdy. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, Brian, is there anything to this person? And then we'll move on before Matthew leaves us. I mean, he looks good. I don't want to say his name. Should we say his name? Yeah, Morgan Morgan Geeky. Sorry, Matthew. I'll make it up to you. I'll I'll, I'll buy you a pizza or something. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever it takes. (laughs) Whatever it takes to bring you back on our good side after mentioning Morgan Geeky, who hopefully did not... Uh, crush too many people's playoffs hopefully he makes someone's playoffs here or there i'm not sure he's someone that i'm like ready to buy into yet but by all accounts what i read of his game was positive but he's still like he played with martin nuke and warren fogel uh and he only had two shots like nothing really blew me out of the water from his game except for the point totals which is great but you know you look to the rest to see if he can do it again not sure only 10 minutes yeah, I agree with you. Ten minutes of ice time. I, I wouldn't expect much either, but a really nice first game for him of the year, of course. Uh, so let's keep the deep cuts going a little bit on a team with four games next week. Is there anything... Okay, I'm going to say some Ottawa Senators. So like basically anyone on the Ottawa Senators not named Brady Kachuk or Thomas Shabbat is a deep cut and probably available in a lot of leagues. And right now, there's a lot of Ottawa Senators players on good runs leading into, again, a four-game week next week. So I'm going to start by mentioning Chris Tierney. Six points in his last five games. And you've got Colin White, 
three assists in three games since returning from injury. Uh, Connor Brown, six points in his last seven. Even Anthony Duclair, who was cold for a bit, he now has a goal and two assists in two games since returning from his injury. He was like ice cold before, but Duclair looking good in these two games. Uh, in the 2-1 overtime win over San Jose yesterday, I'll give you what the lines were. Uh, we had Brady Kachuk, who, by the way, congrats on two straight 20-goal seasons. Apparently that broke some sort of record for the Senators. Uh, so Kachuk with Colin White and Bobby Ryan, then Duclair with Jace Howerluck and Nick Paul, and then Tierney with Brown and Rudolph's Balsers. Uh, and then the top power play was Connor Brown, Duclair, Kachuk, White, and Shabbat. So, Brian, assuming every Ottawa Senator, aside from Kachuk and Shabbat, are available for agency right now, who would you be looking to stream in for the good schedule next week? Uh, I'm guessing you're going to say Duclair. I almost want to say maybe don't count Duclair. Uh, but, okay, if you say Duclair, you also have to give a second choice. Okay, I am saying Duclair. He's the one I want to stream in. And then if I had to pick a second choice, for me, it's between, uh, let's say, Connor Brown and Colin White. Colin White, I like his deployment. I like his upside, except he's the sort of guy that if he doesn't get a point, he doesn't do much for you. Whereas Connor Brown has a pretty good floor of taking shots. He's got eight shots over his last two games. He actually leads the Senators in shots. Sorry, check that. He's second in the Senators in shots on goal over the last two weeks, only three behind Brady Kachuk, but he's averaged three per night over his last eight games. So that's positive and helpful for someone who might score a goal. Uh, so those are the like both guys. Connor Brown also throws a couple hits every so often. So if that's a consideration, I mean, we're digging deep here, right? If you're looking at Ottawa Senators players, it's kind of a, it's like what I said about Winnipeg recently. It's a bummer when a team with no good streamers has a great schedule, but I'd say there are more good streaming Senators and good streaming Jets. So it's not that bad. And I would take Duclair and then Depending on your format and what categories you want to target, it's between white and brown. If I was just looking for points, I think I'd go Colin White. Okay, so you're uh, pooping all over Chris Tierney's parade and his six points over his last five games. <laughs> Did not even mention Chris Tierney, who, I mean, is great. He's a serviceable guy. We see him go on these runs, uh, you know, every so often while he's been in Ottawa. That's great, but I really don't see it lasting. He's, I guess he's a good bet. Uh, sure. It's all pretty equal. You want it? What? You give me a hard time. I, I made a really <laughs> difficult choice of like five identical players and I actually chose one instead of hemming and hawing the whole time. And they're like, but what about this other identical player? Okay, no, that's fair. No, and Brian, uh, I think I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just having some fun. Also, uh, yeah, I think Ottawa is like not like the Jets. Like, they are a team where you do want to look at these guys to stream in on a good schedule. Because like I said, anyone who's streamed in Senators over the past couple of weeks has been doing pretty well. Because all these guys on good runs, we'll see if it continues. Uh, then while it's, of course, fun to talk about teams with good schedules next week, there's also the issue that some people have to deal with of teams that have bad schedules. And you have to decide whether or not to hold on to their players who are on hot streaks. Like we talked about the other case. Like, do you hold on to, like, a Jack Eichel who's cold? But, like, what about a player who's hot? But, like, you look at Calgary, they only play Thursday and Saturday of next week. So then you have to wonder, with a schedule like that, what do you do with, say, a red-hot Mikhail Backlund who just keeps on rolling? Backlund's now up to 21 points in his last 15 games going into today's matchup versus Vegas, which you said currently looks like we're in the third. It's 3-2 Vegas and Backlund. Another assist. So he keeps yeah. on getting points. Get, what, you're upset about that? Well, yeah. I kind of wish Backlund would stop doing stuff. He's on my roster, and it just makes it that much harder to drop him. Uh, on Friday night, 
He was a sure drop. It was like, thank you, Mikhail Backlund, for your service. For your service. And now that he's pointed in each of his weekend games, it's like, do I do I have to hold this guy and let him burn a hole in my roster for three nights just because he's so hot? That's the question here. Uh, I don't know, Elon. You're you're a roster management ace. What would you do? Okay, I think there's a lot of ways to look at this, right? Like, first of all, don't forget the next week for you, Brian, is a semifinals in your constellation round, uh, which means, you know, there's going to be another round after. So theoretically, you might be fine even being, you know, one game down on the week and you might still win and then you'll be happy to have held Backland, who's been fantastic. Uh, also, don't forget that you could always hold him for Thursday, Saturday, and then drop him for someone on Sunday. Like, if he if his schedule was Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, would you be, like, for sure talking about dropping him like you are now? Yeah, for sure. I- I'd rather get some more games played. Yeah, but at the same time, like, well, you- first of all, how would you answer then? How for real is this run? And then I'll tell you whether you should hold him because you could get extra games. But if Mikhail Backlund is a sure thing to get you points game in, game out, along with, by the way, let's say if Backlund's not out there, uh, Andrew Mangiapani. Also, I think I just totally messed it up. Andrew Mangiapane, uh, he's on a great run. He's got four points in his last five, 12 in his last 11 going into today. Uh, no points so far today versus Vegas. So, you know, in a deeper league, Mangiapane, it's kind of a similar situation. Obviously, you're not going to drop Matthew Kachuk. But yeah, what do you think about this line? Is what they're doing for real? And then, yeah, it becomes a really tough decision of whether you hold on or not. I guess the reason that I would hold on to Backland is, well, first off, he he's not scoring in a terribly sustainable way, but he has three or more shots on goal in nine of his last 10 and in six straight. So those are all reasons to want to hold on to Mikhail Backlund. Uh, those are fantastic shot generation numbers. He's still not getting great, like any meaningful power play deployment. And he is, like I said, cashing in on a bunch of these shots more than he should. But when a line is hot, inexplicably, it's hot. It's hot. Like, and you just have to ride it until it's done. So I, I'm reticent to give him up because I don't think the scoring is sustainable. And yet something about this just makes me not want to give up before it's over. I was ready to Friday. Now I'm not again. Uh, I'm, I'm really torn here. Okay, well, Brian, maybe, you know, I've looked at your team. It looks good. Have some confidence in your team. And I think you'll be fine. And I think you should hold on. You could always drop him on Sunday, but uh, he's doing too well. Like, you wouldn't drop Matthew Kachuk if you had him. If Backlund does nothing for me Thursday and Saturday, it'll be more painful than a cross-faced chicken wing. Okay, <laughs> very good. Wait, what is that? I know it's a wrestling reference to... Oh, Bob Backlund. Very good. Okay, second uh, wrestling reference of the episode. Let's see if we can get one more in before we're done. Uh, let's go to some cold streaks now. Uh, so patron Jason wanted us to talk about Ricard Raquel, who had a nice goal and assist game versus Colorado on Wednesday. But aside from that, has been doing nothing offensively. O- only one assist in his other recent 12 games. Anaheim is playing Minnesota today. The game has just started. So people listening could go and check if Raquel uh, did something in con- contrast to whatever we're about to say but brian is this a case where you're so concerned about raquel that you'd consider streaming him out for one of these other guys we've mentioned even though anaheim actually does have a good schedule next week they play four times but four games of no points doesn't help you that much <laughs> like maybe i should ask you like two games of backland or four games from raquel what would you prefer oh that's tough i think i would probably go with i'd go four games raquel 
That's crazy. Like, I, I, Raquel is barely worth owning. I guess if you can get some extra games out of him, the one meaningful thing he's done recently is he had a, a three-game run where he had 16 shots on goal. He had two points in one of those games, nothing the rest of the way. He's not even getting consistent top power play time either. Uh, it's a really ugly scenario, and you need to go all the way back to uh, December, like November, December, to see a steady, consistent run of more than five games of production from Ricard Raquel. So maybe you get lucky. Maybe he gets a multi-point game in one of these four games, and that's worth holding him for to you. But he's very droppable in a lot of formats. Yeah, so obviously it depends what your other options are and how many games you'll get from whom, but I agree. Raquel, not looking good, like uh, Anaheim overall. Like I, He is playing lately with Adam Henrique, so I, I want to say that's good for Henrique and Raquel, uh, and Silverberg is, I think, the other one on that line. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. They're probably going to keep shaking things up for the rest of the season, and it's really hard to say. Like Henrique has been good, uh, but of course he's had lower expectations. We expected a lot from Raquel, and he's definitely not delivering, especially lately. So I don't know. Was that helpful advice? We're saying we're not so into him, basically. Basically, but maybe you hold on for the four games and you just have to hope for the best. Yeah, we're essentially saying even with four games this week, Raquel is not a guarantee to own. Like, better than someone with four games like Wayne Simmons, I guess, who is not at all interesting and probably available in your league. But I think even compared to all the Ottawa Senators we mentioned, I might prefer the Senators to Ricard Raquel. How about you? So let's say Anthony Duclair's in free agency easy. or dropping Raquel. That for- one's so easy Come- for me. What you're just because you're a sense fan like Duclair was like uh, before the last two games Duclair was on a similar nothing streak and also he's Anthony Duclair compared to Ricard Raquel who's been a star in the league for a couple years now Duclair is has been a star this year in fact Elon do you know he played at the All Star game oh okay. but guess what That's Ricard true. Raquel didn't so but Duclair has three points in two games since coming back from injury. Six shots in his return from injury, too. And remember, he stopped shooting a little bit before he did take some time off for injury. And I wonder if those two things were connected. And now I'm hoping that we just have a healthy 100% fresh back from vacation, Anthony Duclair. Okay, that's fair. All right, so you heard it here first. Who am I to disagree? Anthony Duclair, greater than Ricard Raquel for next week. Or maybe you get both and drop someone who's only playing twice. Do you want to bet on it? I don't want to bet. Do you want to put this on our bet board? No, I, I agreed with you. Oh, okay. You did? Sorry. It didn't sound that didn't sound like a really great agreement. Well, I agree tentatively. I, I don't feel strongly for or against what you said. <laughs> You've already bet against Duclair once on our bet board. You had uh, Christian Dvorak outpointing Anthony Duclair as of January 30th. I haven't done the math on it yet, though. Okay, well, we probably have to do point pace since Duclair missed a couple of games, yeah. but I think I'm winning that. Duclair hasn't really done anything until these last few games. Uh, let's end with another cold streak. Crystal Tang, Brian, not doing very well. Only two assists in his last nine games going into today's game versus Carolina, where he once again got no points. That's two assists in his last 10 games for Chris Letang. Justin Schultz has even been getting looks on the top power play in Letang's place. Actually, Justin Schultz had a power play assist today from the top power play. Brian, you are a Chris Letang owner, I'm aware. And that's got to be especially annoying for anyone who owns Letang because you already took a risk of drafting and holding this guy because he's a big injury risk. Like, you never know when he's going to get hurt. And now he's healthy. He's around, but he's just not doing anything. 
So what do you do? Moving forward, I guess you just hold on and hope for the best. But would you be nervous as a Latang owner moving forward? Do you think he's going to get out of this? Is it just bad luck? Or is he actually not playing well enough to score? And I guess probably the answer is a bigger answer about the Penguins overall, because they've been absolutely terrible. Uh, but now they're starting to shake things up. And I'd be very worried as a Crystal Tang owner. Like, I'd still play him. And like I said, I, I, he's a good player. And any game now, he can have a multi-point game. But bummer and concerning. As you mentioned, the Penguins as a whole are just snapping out of a cold stretch where they went six games in a row losing and they only scored eight goals over those six games. They got back on track with seven ga- seven goals against Ottawa, then four against Buffalo, but then only... <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that back on track or did they have easy opponents? Well, they, they had a couple opportunities to get points and Chris Letang unfortunately didn't really cash in on any of those games. Just one point on those 11 goals against Ottawa and Buffalo. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm definitely nervous as a Latang owner. Now they've only scored a couple goals in each of their last two games. I don't love that he's off the top power play. It is annoying because I survived this. Well, no, I didn't survive this season with him. I'm in the consolation bracket. And actually it might be because of those six games he missed due to injury earlier this season, but he only missed six games due to injury. That's a big win for anyone who drafted Latang only to get to this point and be like, what? Last week of the season? Last, last week of my fantasy season? He's off the top power play. So I'm hoping this doesn't last long. It, it sometimes has happened and has never lasted all that long. I'm really hoping Latang gets back, but what else can you do except wait and hope? There's no advice here. Yeah, I mean, I've made a post on our Facebook group recently just looking at the top defensive scores over the past, I think it was since like December 13th. Actually, I know it was specifically from them because that's my wife's birthday. And uh, Latang was nowhere on that list, right? We were looking at really interesting guys like D'Angelo and Che Theodore. And then we, then we were asking like, which of these players do we think, like how would we rank defensemen now for next year? You know me, I guess I'm getting into the draft talk already because I'm realizing I'm out of mic a couple matchup. But I just wonder like how far has the tank fallen like i don't like he's still the injury risk and now he's not having the best season for points so i don't know like i think he's gonna potentially not be maybe he'll fall to the bottom of the top 10 of defensemen drafted next year like there's a lot of guys you got hughes and mccarr you know coming up and probably have overtaken him already so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how far down Latang falls in drafts next season with the emergence of so many offensive defensemen recently it feels like you don't need to take the risk on Latang that you once did uh, because he was one of a few elite D who could really get the job done for you so long as he stayed healthy. Uh, unfortunately, he has really fallen off over the second half of the season. Let's not totally ignore that in his first 27 games, Latang had 25 points. He was almost a point per game player through the first three months of the season. Uh, but since that mark, he has gone cold. He's had one nice run, but outside of that, uh, not a lot of daylight. And it's all added up to him being just over a half point per game defenseman, which I don't think is where he'll be next season. So on the whole season, he's about a 55 point player. Maybe that's realistic, but the upside for 65 points is still there. Again, he's got to stay healthy and he's got to hold on to that top power play spot, neither of which he can reliably do. Yeah, maybe rookie John Marino takes a step next year as a sophomore and challenges. You never know. Uh, by the way, uh, another thing that we've been getting asked about a lot on Pittsburgh, I guess all throughout the season, the goaltending, right? Murray and Jari, they both stunk in their games this weekend. Maybe the answer at this point, at least in a one-year league, drop both of them. Like, neither uh-huh. of them has taken the job, and Pittsburgh is losing. Like, I still would be okay with playing one of them when they do get a game, but... 
you know, it's kind of a situation like New Jersey or LA that we talked about, except those goals are actually playing well. But, you know, I don't think either of them have shown that they're going to take this starting job. And so it's really hard to bank on any of them, especially with the Penguins on this cold stretch. It has officially been a month. Well, I guess Matt Murray just started a couple in a row. But uh, before that, it had been a month since any Pittsburgh goalie had started twice in a row. They're like playing this game of hot potato where they're trading great starts and then they're trading awful starts and no one's ready to run with it. I was interpreting the fact that Murray got to play a couple in a row as being like, okay, this is who Pittsburgh wants to be their starter game one. But then when, uh, I mean, that plan doesn't seem like it's worked out. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what Pittsburgh plan is. Uh, I guess either one is worth streaming in, but would you hold either one of them, Elon, over the last week? They, Pittsburgh plays four times this week, so maybe each gets two starts. Is that reason enough to hold on to both Murray and Jari? I mean, maybe not. Like, it depends who they, who else is available, right? But like we talked about a Corey Crawford or a UC Saros, I definitely want one of them over a Pittsburgh goalie at this point. So maybe th- take that as a benchmark and feel free to tweet at us at Keeping Carlson if you have a goal. You know, not that we're going to be able to help, but <laughs> I, we could try to give our best guess as to which goal you should hold if you have a conundrum. So that's at Keeping Carlson. Or even better, join our Keeping Carlson patron-only Facebook group and our Keeping Carlson patron-only community. We'd love to have you aboard. Uh, we, you know, have a lot of fun on the Facebook group, like all throughout the summer, by the way. And Brian, starting now, let's make it official. Anyone who is a patron, anyone who has canceled because their season's over, for, or someone who's thinking about becoming a patron, sign up for any amount right now. We just want you to hang with us for the rest of the year until next season. So you could change your amount down to a dollar, even if you want per month, and we'll give you all the perks, which includes, you know, the Facebook group and our patron cast and our show notes and everything we could think of to give to our patrons. So if, if you left, we'd love you to come back, throw us anything, 50 cents, a dollar. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hang out with you until next season because next season is going to be huge. But obviously we're focusing on this season now, but keeping Carlson.com slash patron for at the very least join now and get help from a lot of smart people for your fantasy hockey playoff matchups. Uh, but with that, Brian, I think that's it for the content. We went through a ton of stuff. I know we have one last crazy thing to get to now, a sad thing where we're just going to name a bunch of team names. One of your favorite things to do. You love naming lists of, of people's <laughs> names and team names. Uh, so Brian, why don't you tell us what we're about to get into here? Well, every year it's a tradition over at Keeping Carlson where we give a shout out. We give a tribute to those we've lost along the way. So if your fantasy hockey team has been bounced from the playoffs, you send us your team name. We do our Facebook group first, and then we hit up the people on Twitter who've responded to our tweet and uh, and just give them a moment just before we say goodbye. So Elon, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's... Uh, do you remember the name of the music that we've been playing <laughs> for the past few years for the sad music? <laughs> happy father's day all right let's turn on the happy father's day and uh, yeah you should be hearing the ocean sounds right now before the sad music comes in brian you don't need to make the sounds it's happening already on the audio we got to pretend now unfortunately uh but yeah let's name some of our patrons who have lost all right uh let's pour some out for the newfoundland screechers they made it as a bottom seed and they got wiped out in the first round. So sad. Uh, Dave, the former Kakupful Tier 1 champion, like me, is going to be watching the semis and finals from the sidelines. Moons over Miami. Careful with uh, your with freezing. Y- you are not a Tier 1 Kakupful Ultimate champion. Sorry. Well, I, I'm in spirit, you know, because I'm, I was a tier two champion last year. So oh. that's something. <laughs> Another. No, it's, it's not at all the same as a tier one champion could tell you. Can I complain for a second? Is now a good time? We were in the yeah. sad music section. Yeah. 
Brian, I got so screwed this year. I'm so mad. Okay, last week, I'll, I lost by one point. I would have a bye this week. If like Sidney Crosby could have gotten one assist over all of last week or taken two more shots, I wouldn't even be in this mess. Then this week, my team pretty much delivered my forwards. I streamed perfectly, but then somehow... Carey Price, Pavel Fransuz, Alex Stalock all gave me negative point games. Goalies, the worst. And my opponent, like I said, Jeff Good, who's brilliant and great and he deserves the win. But it really annoys me that Mika's advantage had had a five-goal game and two shutouts from UC. Ah. Anyway, good luck to everyone. It's going to be pretty wild. We've got some big names. The patrons will know. Max, Joe, Jeff, and Jesse, uh, it's going to be a very exciting semifinals. We're going to have a brand new Cupful Tier 1 Ultimate Champion. We've had three so far. Brian, you're one of them. Dave is another one. And it's going to be very exciting to see who it is. So good luck to all those people. But anyways, yes, uh, Dave's team moons over my Yami, as in Kyler Yamamoto. They're out, as is my team, keeping Carlson with C's. By the way, John Carlson also didn't really step up for me this past couple of weeks. Where did he go? But anyways, all right, let's keep going with this list. I think we should have a whole episode where you just, where you and I, I want my time too. I, there were some <laughs> stupid things that led to me not making the playoffs, but that's, that's just how it is. Uh, with a lot of great competition too, right? It just takes one stupid thing to happen uh, in the cook-up. Well, is that a good thing or not? Does that make it? I mean... Yeah, if you're playing against tough competition, yeah. you can't get away with uh, big injuries. Like, you're, you're going to lose because everyone else is making really smart roster decisions on their side. So if they get a little bit more luck than you, that can make the difference. Uh, all right, another team out this week, Yugi Yamamoto. Smoothie Operator. Who posted before they're out, so throwing in the towel. But uh, I guess uh, hopefully this is an anti-jinx. Uh, all right, on to our Twitter followers. Ho says Jepson's Malort. I don't get it. Where am I looking? <laughs> Just click the Twitter link in our... I did. I don't see that name. It's at the top. Hosa. Hosa Jepson's Malort from Toast Clark. Oh, there's more. Yeah. That's in the middle. Uh-oh, they're not in the same order. <laughs> Where are you reading this from? Mine are ordered oldest to newest. Oh, mine aren't. Ugh, I hate this. You want me to just do them all? Yeah, why don't you do all the uh, Twitter okay. ones? Hockey Town. Uh, someone puts up their friend's team who is their hockey enemy and is going to just miss the playoffs. So a vindictive uh, addition of the Samurai Lincolns to the list. Elon's not sharing any because he doesn't know how to use Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's it's in a weird order for me, but I will say uh, Bass Canada Jokers. Matthew is sharing that this is a his dynasty team loss. He's sharing this in the chat. I think it's French, Elon. Bah Canada Jokers. Ah, my bad. My bah. <laughs> uh, Pat Verbeek should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't I, think that's the name of the team. <laughs> it's a, I mean, and well, if someone's lobbying, they're definitely lobbying the wrong people to get Pat Verbeek <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. Well, we've just said it on our show, which has like hundreds of thousands of listeners. Okay, so yeah. Who knows who's listening? We had Scott Cullen on a few weeks ago. This is a big deal. H.C. Heskey and Rihimain Toivu. Mm-hmm. Um, someone just tagged their friend at Pat Fuko. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's that's also pretty savage. Uh, Waystar Radko Gudas. Kale McCalder. Grit in your mind. No, what? Sometimes 
Sometimes people make names that don't even make sense. Like it's Maybe it just makes like, sense to them, it Brian. It just sounds b- dirty, but like it, it's not even meaningful. All right, this is what you wanted to do, Brian. Okay, so. uh, I'm going to keep going here. The Jean Chrétiens, uh, Philip Gruboner, Siltrig with zero uh, vowels, Zamboner, uh, there's a theme here, uh, I'm Bettman, <laughs> and H.C. Wiener. Brian, we've, uh, we know what's on our listeners' minds. I think we know the demographics <laughs> of what's going on here. Uh, okay. Happy Women's Day, Brian. Uh, yeah, perfect timing. Well, <laughs> we should, we still have our inclusion initiative running. If you want to diversify the sorts of euphemisms being made in team names amongst our listeners, keepingcarlson.com slash, we used to have a link to this, Elon. Can we make it? Uh, keepingcarlson.com slash inclusion. What is it linked to? Well, right now it's a 404. I don't think this ever linked to anything. What- well, I tweeted about it today. It's a, it's a form that we made for anyone who's a member of an underrepresented group in, uh, in hockey or fantasy hockey circles, uh, to, but who wants to join our very friendly and inclusive community. You can head over to keepingcarlson.com slash inclusion and uh, you can join us. No strings attached. And with that, the sad music fades... Happy Father's Day, no more. But good luck because there's still a lot of people not mentioned on that list. And those are the people that are still competing. And hopefully we've given you some advice in this episode to help take you to great successes and happiness next week in your, I guess, semifinal or quarterfinal matchup, depending on your league setup. So thanks everyone so much for listening. Once again, uh, follow us or tweet at us at Keeping Carlson on Twitter and we'll get back to you trying to help you out. Please consider signing up for our patron community, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Ignore the dollar amounts there for the perks. Uh, even throw us a buck and we'll give you all of the perks. And with that, Brian, let's cue the outro music which is called... Do you know what our outro music is called? Intermission Mixed. Yeah, Intermission (laughs) Mixed. (laughs) And so let's play that. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keep It Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our newest one, Michael. Welcome, Michael. Logos by Brandon Weeb. Outro music by Pat Roach, including the very intermission mix that you are listening to right now. This episode was researched with help from Dabra Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dabra Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, Charting Hockey, Hockey Goalies, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Yahoo! Great job, as always, Brian. Looking forward to doing this all again with you next week. Until then, keep on keeping Carlson. We should probably change that outro. Hey, the dude's, dude's injured and probably not a keeper. It's mostly really irrelevant at the moment. But in the summer, I, I stand by it. I think we're going to have to uh, consider a different sign-off. But I guess that, that could be a whole summer episode. Maybe we could have a bracket where people could submit ideas of what our new sign-off should be. You're giving up on Eric Carlson as a keeper? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess it depends how many keepers, but I I think there's a whole bunch of defensemen I'd rather have than him at this point. Okay. It depends who you have. What if we said, keep on keeping, keeping Carlson in your podcast subscriptions? Please. Please do. Okay. Bye. Bye.